Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. And welcome to episode number 53 of the MMA Outsiders here on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. That is Zan. I'm Tom, as always. And Zan, I know I have a bunch of gum next to me, but you know what? This might as well be crow because I'm going to be eating a lot of it right now. I think a lot of us in the MMA world are eating a lot of crow because, I mean, Zan, I didn't think it was... I didn't think it was going to happen, but you know what? Kevin Garnett once said, anything is possible, shouting it after the Celtics won the finals. And well, we just got proven that anything is possible, Zan. Did you ever think we were going to sit here today on episode 53 and say, Sean Strickland is the new UFC middleweight champion? I know, number one. And number two, did we ever think that we'd be one fight away from potentially having the combination of Colby Covington Sean O'Malley and Sean Strick into UFC champions. I think I think you'd have a triple no all around. So so for those two things alone, you and I are both 0 for 2, as well as probably 99.9% of the MMA community, minus probably some people in Sean Strickland's camp. And then also one crazy better that I saw that had the guts to put a million dollars on Strickland in one. Uh, but before we get into all of that, uh, we want to remind you, make sure to like and subscribe. Make sure to share the MMA Outsiders uh, or wherever you can, whether that's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Be sure to, to subscribe to the Empty the Bench Podcast Network and hit the notification bell. That way you don't miss any episode of this show and all of the great programming going on at the Empty the Bench Podcast Network um, right now as we are currently in the midst of uh, the entire fall season being up, so be sure to do that. Again, my name is Zan Bando. I am a staff writer for BJPen.com. I am also a member, well, I think a member, but not for long, a member of the Bellator Rankings panel, assuming that things go the way that Tom and I think they're going to go. Hopefully that transitions into me being a PFL Rankings contributor, but we'll see what happens there. And then, of course, Tom is to my left. You can find his work over at Fanside and MMA. You can also find his work over on the PFL website as he will be covering all the happenings with the remainder of the PFL season and so much more. Um, Tom, to get back to your original point, though, UFC 293 is going to be a card that goes down in uh, not just MMA war, but uh, Australian war. As we know, the biggest upset in women's MMA history took place in Australia and arguably one of the biggest upsets, if not the biggest upset in, in men's UFC history also took place in Australia. Uh, did that thought uh, initially come to your mind as soon as the fight was over? Because um, it did for me. And it honestly took me 40 minutes after the fight to dissect what exactly happened because I think I was just as shocked as you and 99% of the MMA community. What were your initial thoughts on the fight? I mean, Zan, Monday morning came and I was still trying to process the thought of Sean Strickland is the UFC middleweight champion. It just seemed, it seemed like an absolute improbability. We were laughing, Zan. We were laughing when we were making the pick. We were laughing and saying that, yeah, this is probably going to be a one-sided decision win for Israel Adesanya and that he was going to be retaining the UFC middleweight championship. No, Sean Strickland managed to, I mean, mean, it was a one-sided fight, Zan, but Sean Strickland was the one who was in favor of in a one-sided outing. And I don't think, I mean, obviously we had Pereira pulling off the knockout of Israel Adesanya at UFC 281. We had Jan Blachowicz putting on his performance, although it wasn't exactly exciting. But, I mean, Strickland just, I mean, he dropped him. He dropped him. And he just was in complete control I, like the judges, Zan, only gave uh, Israel Adesanya one round. I think we I gave him the second round, and that was all. And, I mean, credit where credit is due. Sean Strickland went in when the world was basically 
I don't know if I can say laughing him, but laughing at the probability of him becoming the UFC middleweight champion. And he absolutely delivered. Now, as far as upsets go, uh, I actually wrote a thing for fans. I did immediately after the fight talking about where I think this lands on the biggest upsets in UFC history. And I, I, which I did, which I, which I did, which I did read and was very impressed with your sentiment. I think I agreed with most of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I put it at number five. I do think that, I do think the, the ones I put above it were Holly Holmes knockout of Ronda Rousey, which you kind of alluded to uh, already that, you know, 100 UFC pay-per-views earlier in Australia, a different part of Australia, uh, that managed to happen. I My jaw was on the floor with that one. Uh, Same with I, mine. Uh, three, I put um, Weidman, Weidman knocking out Silva, just okay. because, just because um, with uh, Izzy, obviously he did have the one loss to Pereira, so there was a brief time where he did lose the championship, and this was the first defense of that second reign. Meanwhile, Silva, I mean, he arrived on the UFC, absolutely dominated from the moment he first landed a shot on uh, Chris Levin, and nobody thought that the. I think Weidman was only about ten and zero or eleven and zero at that point, and nobody thought that really he had a shot. But it was that interest of you know, could he do it? Matt Sarah, I put at number two because. I mean, he he won a reality show. He won a show about, you know, fighters, UFC fighters who didn't really, you know, were getting another shot, basically, at getting a title shot. He beat Chris Lytle in the final. I remember a lot of people thinking Lytle should have gotten the nod that night. And then he goes on to face George St. Pierre. Uh, now, obviously, George St. Pierre at that point was not the George St. Pierre that we know of him now, but just judging... Uh, Zan, from how much George St. Pierre went on to accomplish with the UFC, I think that one, even though it was only a blip, it was the one win, you know, it only lasted a year, didn't have a successful title defense. I think credit in all the world has to be given to Matt Sarah for that one upset. And then number one, Zan, I think there is a, you know, if I've gone through all those, I think everyone knows what number one is for me. And that's Juliana Pena. Uh, submitting Amanda Nunes to become the bantamweight champion. I think that's my top five. Um, but Sean Strickland, so it's not my number one, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, it's an interesting list. The only thing I would have done differently was I think at the moment I'm I would still keep if it was if it was me doing that list, I would have kept Sarah and GSP one at number one. But all of those are solid picks. Uh, you can't go wrong with any of those. Uh, you know, I would argue. Uh, um, I don't know what it is odds wise per se, but I thought that George St. Pierre beating Michael Bisping after a four year absence and moving up a weight class was big for its time too. Obviously, as I just alluded to, the the, the odds on that could have been much closer than the than than an upset, quote unquote. But still, I think there are a lot of fights that you could put in that in that number one category and people wouldn't be disappointed. But if you don't have Sean Strickland in at least your top five, I think you're doing your list wrong, which thankfully, thankfully you didn't. I think it deserves acknowledgement, and I think it, uh, I think it will continue to get acknowledgement. And you don't have to like Sean Strickland. And I want to make this very clear: there are a lot of people that don't like Sean Strickland for one reason or another. He's a very charismatic character, and I'm saying that lightly because there are a lot of adjectives you could use to describe him. But the one thing you you can't deny about Sean Strickland is He's willing to fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. He was knocked out by the former um, UFC middleweight champion and Alex Pereira was able to bounce back from that. I think, you know, when you go in and you beat Israel Adesanya, who had been unstoppable since about 2019 or so, and you do it in almost an effortless fashion, winning four out of five rounds and doing so pretty decisively, I think there's no denying that you don't have to respect or you don't have to like Sean Strickland. You don't have to like his personality, but you have to respect his greatness. And um, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna get into it in a minute. But I think, regardless of if a rematch is next or a rematch happens down the line, um, I think it makes that fight uh, all, all that much bigger. And I actually do think, and this might be a, a bit of a hot take here, but I do think him beating Adesanya 
um, gives the division a bit of a fresher perspective and a perspective that maybe we haven't seen since about 2016 or 2017, where the division is now completely wide open with tons of interesting challengers and a lot of fun fights. It's not dull as it was, you know, near the end of Anderson Silva's reign. So I think there's a lot to be said for his performance. And I think just the way he went in there and he didn't care. And he said the first 10 minutes were going to be, we're going to be challenging and they were. And then just the way he was able to use his boxing, just the way he was able to control him against the fence, the way he was able to, you know, get, get his strikes off first, confuse Adesanya, you know, but with different angles and feints and stuff. I mean, it was a near flawless performance, and it was a performance that I'm sure that Eugene Berryman and everybody at City Kickboxing is, is, is no pun intended. I'm going to literally say, though, they're probably kicking themselves over it because they they, they know that the, the, them as a team collectively, they could have won that fight, and they probably just they, they underestimated them. They were probably looking ahead to DDP, you know, Early to early to mid twenty twenty four, and I I just think Izzy took his foot off the gas pedal, and that was really what dictated the pace of the fight. Congrats to Strickland. It's nice to see that somebody from Extreme Couture, uh, you know, is successful again. That's obviously a very hardworking camp, and you know, to see a guy, you know, a Las Vegas bred, so to speak, you know, will go in and do that and do it in an old school kind of way to win the middleweight title. It's almost like one of those throwback kind of championship wins in a fight that uh, I think a lot of people won't forget. So. Absolutely. And as you said, you know, credit has to be given to Strickland where it's due. You may not like him. You may think he's absolutely controversial. You may not like the things he says. I haven't liked some of the things that he has said, but regardless, (laughs) he is the middleweight champion. And I mean, I remember you and I talking about potentially like autopsy in this fight, but Zan, I mean, what really is there to autopsy? Because, first of all, the fight proved to be pretty quiet early on. And then yeah, you saw Strickland kind of, you know, trying to keep his distance. And he did, I think that was one thing that Strickland really did well, was he won the range game. He knew how to, you know, I know certain people don't like how certain fighters may you know, try to do all the moseying around the cage, kind of coming off as, you know, oh, trying to run away from the fighter, but uh, running away from their opponent, rather. But Strickland, I mean, he was very strategic in which he was keeping his distance. And Adesanya is a very lanky individual. He's got a lot of range with his arms and his legs. But Strickland managed to land. And late in the round, I mean, he absolutely wobbled him. He rocked uh, Adesanya. And San, I think if there had been more time in that fight, uh, in that round, had there been a minute, a minute, 30 seconds, I think there was a chance Strickland could have gotten the finish in that first round. Yeah, yeah, that could have very easily been the case. And I mean, the way he rocked him against the cage, it we looked like, you know, a stunning first round upset and a potential plus 1,200 bet for um, people who were who were crazy enough to think that was possible was literally on the table in a 30-second uh, span. I do have to give myself some credit, though I did correctly predict the fight would go over four and a half rounds. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a little bit scary there in rounds two and three, but uh, for those who had the over-congratulations, I just figured given that Israel Adesanya's past title fight history and with the way Strickland, um, you know, it takes care of business that that wouldn't go a little longer, but back to your original point. Yeah. I mean, it could have very well been stopped in the first round. And I think it just goes to show that Adesanya was going to hang in there until the final bell. And, you know, I I was getting a little nervous though. I will say that there was a thought in the back of my head, Hey, we're in Australia. He's, you know, he's from, you know, New Zealand and stuff like that. Like I was, I was getting a little nervous that, you know, well, maybe maybe the judges were going to be swayed a certain way, but thankfully the decision was read correctly. Did you have 49-46 as your final scorecard too, uh, just yeah. like three judges? Because that's how I had it. Yes, that's how I had it. I had Adesanya winning the second round just because he upped his volume. Third round was a little, you know, was way too quiet. Strickland landed the only real 
strikes of that whole round. It seemed like an off round just for the fight in general, round three. And then rounds four and five, I mean, he wobbled Adesanya. It wasn't enough to get the finish, but I mean, Zan, I know I didn't list it in my top five. I did list it in that article as an honorable mention, but what I think of this fight now, obviously, Sean Strickland and Randy Couture are two completely different circumstances, but I think to that Randy Couture, uh, Tim Sylvia fight in which you don't think that, you know, most people didn't think that Randy Couture was going to have a shot. And then all of a sudden he rocks Sylvia in the first round. And then it's an absolutely one-sided unanimous decision into a title win that, you know, left people's jaws on the floor, kind of similar, kind of mirroring what happened in this fight, obviously a little different of circumstances, but I think the premise at least sounds similar. Well, somewhat similar in a sense, too. I know we're turning back the clock a little bit for those who may not be familiar with UFC 68, but if you remember going into UFC 68, that card was being crapped on to a degree like I had never seen at the time. Everybody was like, oh, Tim Sylvie is going to go in. He's going to run through Randy Couture. This is easy. He's already thinking ahead to a potential fight with Miracle Girl Cop because at the time the UFC had brought in Miracle Girl Cop to, you know, Oh, to, to streamline the heavyweight division, if you will, make it a little bit more competitive. This had an eerily similar feeling to it now that you're now that you're mentioning it. And it's just ironic to see that they're both from the same uh camp, of course. Obviously, one of them is obvious, it's named after, him, but to see uh <laughs> to see to, you know, to, to see uh, uh an eventual training partner if will slash um slash newer newer champion of the sport go in and do something similar to someone who, you know, many thought was was unbeatable, similar to Sylvia at heavyweight at the time. It's very interesting to think about and just looking at it from a past history perspective. I mean, I guess you could also allude it to, you know, another fight to compare it to is, you know, Misha Tate versus Holly Holm. I mean, if you remember going into that one, it didn't seem like a lot of people were giving Misha Tate a chance and, you know, she had a miracle rear naked choke in the fifth round that, you know, oh, no one was expecting either. So I think it just goes to show that Extreme Couture has a bit of a knack for, you know, just just finding these kind of miracle openings and just, you know, oh, just shocking the world. And I'm not saying Strickland's performance was a miracle, but we, and you, when you look at it from a, from a betting perspective and you look at it from, you know, comparing both of their resumes side by side, I think you and I can both agree wholeheartedly that Adesanya fought the t- um, the tougher and and uh, and more strategic competition, if you will, compared to Strickland. But I think you know, the UFC just <laughs> the UFC just being the UFC, you could you could tell um, if you if you zoomed in enough or if you pay close attention, you could tell that on on some level the UFC wasn't very happy with. And we're going to get into it as a subtopic here in a second, but I think it just goes to show the vibes in this middleweight division, and quite frankly, all the title shakeups. There's now been nine different ones this year. We have a chance for um, a tenth this this coming weekend in Vegas. I think it just goes to show that sometimes the UFC can't even keep up with how crazy the madness is. Because if you remember four episodes ago or five episodes ago, we were talking about how oh, you know. The, the, the UFC, you know, is dropping the ball here. This should have never been a pay-per-view in Australia. This should be the DDP fight. Now, all all, all of their ends are slowly but surely going by the wayside unless uh, what we're going to talk about next comes to fruition, which I know you probably have a very strong opinion about. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, by the way, funny you mentioned Mirko Krokop because two pay-per-views later, he becomes the victim of his own... Uh, absolute shocking upset with Randy Couture on commentary where Gabriel Gonzaga knocks him out old clean in the cage. So, I mean, the UFC should be used to this by now used to just the absolute shocking happen. But I mean, another, uh, another, an, uh, another international card. I might, I might add. <laughs> it just, it goes to show you that they're just have these trends with the UFC. Now credit also to Adesanya who, you know, he didn't argue the decision. The judges that you mentioned got it right. And Adesanya, you know, uh, very graceful, you can say, in defeat. I mean, what else is there to say? Sean Strickland 
Sean Strickland shocks the world. Yes, I'm going to use the alliteration there with the constant S's, but that is pretty much what the story of mixed martial arts has been the last few days is just reveling and just, you know, shaking how Sean Strickland is the champion. I mean, Zan, I may mention uh, Puliana Pena being my number one pick for my uh, top ups in UFC history. And this is giving off that same kind of vibe. And that was just a couple of years ago where, you know, Monday morning, as I alluded, to, as I said, uh, comes around and I'm like, did I really just watch that a couple of nights ago? But the reality is, yes, Sean Strickland is the middleweight champion. Absolute amazing showing. And it's kind of like what I alluded to uh, when I was talking with you. And uh, for those who don't, aren't aware, uh, we're recording this and New York is getting absolutely slammed with a storm. So <laughs> my lights just managed to flicker for a second. Um, as I was <laughs> The, like the lights are kind of flickering on the, some of the UFC's international plans right now with uh, UFC Africa. And we'll talk about no show UFC coming up. Um, my point being, though, that I told you, uh, I was texting you that even if uh, Adesanya got the biggest judges robbery in the history of the UFC, that I was going to have some questions and at this point. I do have questions about Israel Adesanya, which uh, I should uh, lead us now into this next uh, little subtopic of such about an immediate rematch. And well, Zan, on one hand, you have the fact that it's Israel Adesanya who was at the top of the division for, I think, four years minus that one stretch where, obviously, as I mentioned before, Pereira had pulled off the shocking fifth round uh, knockout and was middleweight champion for all of about four or five months. And up, other than that, it has been all Adesanya. On the other hand, you can look at that Pereira loss and then say, you know, he lost to Blahowicz. He ended up getting another one or two title offenses, lost to Pereira, regained the title, and one could maybe make the argument about Pereira winning the first round of that rematch. And now, here, he got his butt whooped. And, Sam, that leads me to the other hand, is that, you know, this is now two losses in his last three fights. This second reign doesn't have a successful defense. It go, You know, he has as many successful title defenses in this second title reign as Alex Pereira did. So right now we could have a, you could argue, Sam, we have a case of division hot potato. And I just think back to, you know, and mentioned it there, UFC President Dana White is interested in having, you know, an immediate rematch. And I can understand why, especially considering the UFC's plans that they wanted Israel Adesanya versus uh, Drikas Duplessis. And you know how much I wanted that fight. But I think to Dana's words when, you know, Nunes ran through Cyborg, that was a one-sided ass whooping. And just to be blunt, and that one-sided ass whoopings, I think, you know, you can make a case of, I'm usually am for media rematches, but when it's a case like we saw on Saturday night, uh, that's when I got to hesitate and say, really, should it be? Plus, I know Dana's claiming, oh, you know, Dana's claiming, oh, uh, Drickus Duplessis didn't want the fight and, you know, doing that whole smear campaign because he turned down the fight, which, number one, I think I've preached it enough on this show already how you thought the winner of Robert Whitaker versus Drickus Duplessis was going to be ready to face Israel Adesanya in nine weeks is is just balderdash. And that's a, that's a nice word that I can say to avoid cursing. And number two, and number two, I mean, considering what just happened in that kind of situation, I feel like you owe it to Duplessis. That was a contender's fight, and he beat a former champion Whitaker. I feel like you have you can't just take away the title shot from Duplessis, especially when, as I mentioned, Adesanya has now lost two of his last three. Yeah, again, those are all very valid points, but I will I, I will say this: you have to remember who you're dealing with here. You're dealing with the biggest MMA promotion in the world. They're gonna they're gonna go for where the biggest fights are. So I think now there's a case where 
you kind of have a four-horse race a little bit. If you think about it, you got Izzy, you got Tron Strick, when you got DDP, and you got Alex Pereira. Th this is now setting up a perfect scenario where it's going to be a bit of a round robin, so, so to speak, to where they're all going to they're all going to start fighting each other now, whether it's you know second fights and third fights and fourth fights and, and fourth fights and what have you. But now that we keep, you know, mentioning, you know, the, the heavyweight division and the way it used to be, obviously this isn't heavyweight. We're talking about 185. This is giving me vibes of, you know, the era where you had Sylvia, um, Miran Orlovsky, and we're all just, they're all, all just fighting each other. And now we're starting to go down that same path. My point, my point in saying that is, I think the UFC is in a situation where, they need they need time to fill cards. According to Dana, they have cards filled up or 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 planned out, so to speak, until March. So the UFC has a scenario now where they can do one of two things. They they could say, look, we were we're we're okay with Sean Strickland winning winning the fight. It is it is it is what it is. We have to live with it. We we have an open date for Super Bowl weekend. You do Strickland versus Adesanya in Vegas, or you wait and you somehow, some way, try to figure it out with the powers that be to still somehow, some way, salvage a UFC Africa card and a DDP versus Sean Strickland in Africa. Although that's not what the UFC wants, they they keep preaching every couple of months. Oh, we're gonna do we're gonna do an Africa card. We're gonna do an Africa card. You you had alluded to me that UFC Africa is dead. I don't, I, I don't think it is because you still have DDP waiting in the wings. Is it obviously better if DDP fights Adesanya for 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 money, power, business, etc.? Of course it is, but I think you have to play the cards that you're dealt, and these are the cards that they're dealt. And I think even though DDP is waiting in the rings, I think now with Adesanya losing, Adesanya versus Strickland too just became an even bigger fight. The buildup's going to be bigger, and if they do it in Vegas, which is Strickland's backyard technically? I think it has a chance to be a very, very successful middle a title rematch, and that's that's a rematch that I want to see because I am curious to see if Israel Adesanya can correct the mistakes that plagued him in this fight. Although, um, although on the other side of the equation, uh, an argument for him, you know, you, you, you know, not not to have um, not to have an immediate rematch. Um, is 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 also one of those things where where, where that could be possible too, um, because of course now you have to look at a scenario in the sense that Adesanya is four and three in his last seven. Would you really want someone who's four and three in his last seven to keep getting title fights over and over and over again? That's the other side of the coin you have to look at too. So I think the UFC can go in a lot of different directions, but I think what makes logical sense from a business perspective is to do. Strickland versus Adesanya two in Vegas as a potential headliner or co-headliner the weekend of the Super Bowl. In that case, then what do you do if you're Drickus Duplessis? Because I feel like he has a right to feel kind of robbed. But of course, I mean, you know, just how the cards kind of play out because we were sitting here thinking Strickland has no shot. And now all of a sudden Strickland is here. And I mean, you had alluded to when our text where I said that basically UFC Africa is dead and I'll pretty much say it like this. I feel like the UFC's plans about a UFC Africa and not Asanya versus DDP. They have no one to blame with themselves. They honestly don't have anybody to blame with themselves. I mean, I've said it before on this show. What the hell were they doing? thinking of putting Australia, you know, an Australia card in September for a pay-per-view. Zan, we were sitting here four or five weeks ago. We still had no idea what the main event of that pay-per-view was going to be. It took us a while before we finally got an answer. Oh, by the way, if Dana says that they have all these cards planned out through February or through March, what's the December main event then? What's December 16th? Come on, give us the answer. I mean, I, I mean, uh, I mean, one can hope that it's announced this weekend during Noche UFC. You would think because Noche UFC is in Vegas, so it would be the perfect time to announce. It would be. What the heck the, it would sorry, be three months exact. It would be three months exact to the day, December sixteenth. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Literally, which I think we know what the answer is going to be, but I'm not holding my breath. So um, I know, I I know, but my point, my point, Zan, is I feel like this is to the unfortunate, you know, to the unfortunate uh, burden of one DDP, and you know how big of DDP fan I am, is that this is a case of karma. The UFC tried to get Drickus Duplessis and Robert Whitaker would have been in the same kind of scenario, ready for a September Australia card. They tried to rush it, and it ended up biting them in the ass, plain and simple. So yeah, it did. It, you could have, you know, now that you think of it, you could have easily had JDM fight Kevin Holland in the UFC Fight Night card in Australia, and and made it is now Noche UFC UFC two ninety three. With Valentina Shevchenko and Alexa Grasso is the main event. You you could you could have done that too. Uh, honestly, they they kind of screwed up, and now they have damaged. I I respect your opinion that UFC Africa isn't dead, and they're trying to insist on it. But I definitely think it's damaged. And oh, it is for sure. They've damaged this market. Zan, you could argue that by the end of this weekend, we'll get to this weekend in a little bit, but. You could argue that there is a chance they could have damaged three markets, three international markets by the end of this weekend. UFC Africa, I mean Saudi UFC Arabia, Mexico. right? UFC Mexico. Obviously, if uh, you know Grasso loses her belt back to Shevchenko, if Raul Ruiz Jr. loses his fight, and Zand, you could even argue maybe Saudi Arabia to a degree. I know they have invested a little bit in the UFC. I think it's something like a ten percent, but you think about how the PFL just got that heavy investment from the country. I mean, you know, right now the international perspectives, it's not a good look for the UFC. No, um, no, it is that that's for sure. Um, but I will, I will say this, at least the UFC is somewhat holding up their end of the bargain because they could have very easily said, Oh no, we're not going to pursue Africa anymore. Or oh no, we're not going to pursue a mega UFC Mexico event anymore. So they're at least trying, but they're they're realizing, oh shoot, we didn't we micromanage this too much, and our window is starting to close. That's something to consider as 2024 draws closer. Because Tom, if UFC Mexico does not happen in 2024, if UFC Africa doesn't happen in 2024, if a major UFC event in Saudi Arabia Maybe if it's not Abu Dhabi doesn't happen in, in, in 2024, like a major soccer stadium Saudi Arabia show, then all three of those windows are dead if, if they don't if, if, if they don't happen by 2024. And Dana, Dana White once commented, if you remember Zan back at Roll Roses Jr.'s last fight after loss, he said, We're bleeping up the Mexican market. Well, they're gonna be continue to bleeping up international markets if they uh if they don't get their bleep together, yeah, and they're and they're and they're uh, and they're screwing it up, if you will, by only we're we're going to get into this more in a little bit, but th- they're only screwing it up more so by you know or not keeping Raul Rosas Jr. as active as he once hoped he would be. So that's also another issue to consider too, considering that the lack of um, uh, Hispanic U- UFC stars, so to speak. Um, it, it, it just isn't what it once was when Cain Velasquez was the champion. I know we're digressing a little bit. The, 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 the fact of the matter is, though, is the internationalism of the UFC or how they try to pride themselves on it is getting very, very, very weary as some of their major international stars are starting to lose and Adesanya losing at the top as well as, you know, Kamara losing champion and Francis Ngannou being in the PFL, um, a potential mega UFC Africa card is down to none. So it's it's a little bit it's a little bit unfortunate. I mean, Here's where me, Sam, me, no UFC African champions at the moment. So yeah, it's amazing we've gone from three to zero in a really quick fashion. And Zan, here's where all of that is going. That's basically what it is at this point. Uh, it's true. And, All the right. clock, and the and the, and, and the clock is still ticking. I, I might I might add. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, quickly go over the rest of the main card here. Uh, Alexander Volkov uh, defeating Tai to Ivasa. Uh, 
I mean, credit to Ty. He tried to make it some sort of a fight. I'll take his social media post. He walked out to a song called Scar. He's the one who ended up with a scar. It was uh, it was a pretty brutal beating. Volkov got to the ground. The ground and pound was too much. But I think Zan, Alexander Volkov is in a really unique kind of situation. Because this was a six versus seven fight. He wins. But you got Jones versus Stipe in November. You've got... Zan, I think they teased it last time at UFC Paris, a potential Cyril Gaon versus Tom Aspinall fight waiting in the wings. Speaking of waiting in the wings, Sergei Balvovich is waiting in the wings for a potential heavyweight title fight, regardless of what happens. If Jones retains the title and then Palovich is next, or Jones retires and then Palovich gets inserted into a vacant title fight. Zan, I think Alexander Volkov, especially considering he's still probably two wins away from a crack at the heavyweight title. He might have to play, uh, he might have to play the good old waiting game. Yeah. I'll have to play the waiting game for sure. And uh, one potential fight you didn't mention Tom was, could you see a scenario where Tom Aspinall will be fighting Sergey Pavlovich for the vacant UFC heavyweight title? If, uh, if Jones and Stipe both happen to hang it up at Madison square garden on November 11th. I mean, that's a, that's a real possibility. That is a real possibility. So what would you do with Volkov at that point? Would you match up? I would I'd- say do, do him versus the winner of the Curtis Blades fight in a Brazil. The oh, week- Blades versus Almeida. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Because I was going to say, I think Gon and Volkov had fought before, haven't they? They have. Yeah, so I was going to say, I don't know. I think of Volkov. I think your idea of Volkov versus the Blades uh, Almeida winner is better for that situation. But as of the current situation and going on the situation of we don't know if Jones or Stipe is going to be heavyweight champion next. We don't know if Jones is going to truly retire. We assume he's going to retire. But in the case he doesn't, for Volkov right now, it's waiting game central. No, it's true. So then therefore, if Jones doesn't retire, and let's assume that Jones beats Stipe and doesn't retire, is Jones... Is Jones Pavlovich next in your opinion? Because I yep. think I think it is. Yeah. Yep. Big time. And then and then if Stipe beats Jones, but neither of them retire, do you do a do you do a rematch or do you move on? Zan, I'm going to use a sound effect because you know you just told me that the UFC always pr- pursues these kind of fights, and you said that a strictly not a sign your rematch would be. So what what makes you think that a Steve A versus Jones rematch would not be. Oh, it would be it would be huge. And you know how Dana keeps talking about markets they haven't been to in a long time. Uh hint hint wink wink nudge nudge. Uh, um there's two uh Western cities who are dying for a pay-per-view. Hello, oh, could you please bring the rematch to Chicago or Ohio? Because and I would then I would be then I would be interested. <laughs> See. See, this is where I need more sound effects because this is where I would insert Steve by yelling, Arch! Are uh, Oh, man. All right, the rest of the card. Uh, cop, uh, Felipe, Manel Kopp defeats Felipe Dos Santos. Credit to Dos Santos. He brought the fight. This ends up being the fight of the night winner. Cop uh, gets the win. Uh, pretty needed win. And then he... Uh, calls out Kai Car France, and he and uh, Radke both get into some hot water by using a uh, anti gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to talk about ugly, that was ugly in <laughs> in words, words, capital letters. And uh, I have to call it ESPN for a second because uh, they should have been. A li- I-, I understand not being quick on the first one, but they should have been. They should have been much quicker on the second one. And uh, I honestly think that was a production gaffe that, that they should have remedied. Obviously, it doesn't take away from uh, from what either guy said. It's obviously horrible, but uh, but 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 yeah, just absolutely disgusting. And to hear to hear Dana White's tone deaf response to it uh, was 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 atypical. I was not <laughs> I I was not surprised, but uh, considering that um, considering that he's gotten into his own hot water himself. You would think after about maybe 13, 12 or 13 years, they would know a little better. But uh, but apparently the UFC is still in the UFC, I guess. Zen, remember what Dana once said. It's the fight game. People say mean things to each other. 
I, I, I guess that adds to the pot of, of, of that statement, unfortunately. That's that that's basically what it is. Yeah. See no, evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Uh and speaking of and speaking of evil, well, this was a pretty evil knockout, Justin Taffa. I mean, now I shouldn't say I mean on the official fight time, it was just over a minute. Uh, we did have an official timeout, however, after uh, I poke and I said, oh, no, not again. Not again with this. But Tafa was able to, but Tafa and Lane ended up going on. And yeah, I mean, Tafa just laid waste to Lane. Tom, I was uh, I was envisioning you falling out of your chair as as the, as the kick landed because I was like, no, not again. No way. Absolutely no way. Uh just I'm glad that the fight actually ended up playing out, played out as it did. Not surprised, Tafa, the country guy, gets the uh knockout victory, very quick fashion. And actually, his I'm not surprised that it was Tafa who came out on top, as much as I, you know, kind of maybe alluded to a coin flippish uh kind of pick last week. But I mean Tafa, his brother was in glory kickboxing. The two are good kickboxers, so in the world to Justin Toffer for getting the win there. Uh, and Tyson Pedro, speaking of country guys, and, and quick knockout, Tyson Pedro getting the main card started in a big way. I, I liked Anton Turkaj's uh, walkout. I like his nickname, but obviously Tyson Pedro's in a, in a different league. Yeah, I was initially wrong on this pick, as you saw in our official card sheets. I changed my pick, and I'm glad I did. Um, this was a very easy win for Pedro and uh, definitely nice to get one in front of his uh, hometown, if you will. Um, I think Anton's going to be back, as I said, but he'll probably have a lot to work on just because if you watch the fight holistically, it was not competitive at all. So um, I w- good win for Pedro, very unfortunate for uh, for uh, Turkajai there. And it's just one of those where you have to go back to the drawing board. If or if there even is when maybe the UFC is so disappointed that they might either give him a, a tougher opponent or, or they might consider giving him the ax. But given how, how relatively green he still is in his career, I highly doubt it. And that's pretty much going to be it for UFC 293. Although, Zan, uh, you wanted to bring this up. Uh, more technical issues with the UFC and DSPN Plus. So, yeah. yay! Yeah, just briefly, I saw at least five tweets uh, from people saying that either A, they couldn't order the fight, or B, that they ordered the fight and they literally could not watch the first 30 minutes because they had a uh, they had a blue screen, uh, uh, literally. And I think there was, a, there was a viral photo that went around. I think it was Ben Davis that tweeted it during the prelims uh, that literally the ESPN Plus feed went out. And apparently for some people, they weren't able to watch the fight at all as late as... Uh, into uh, the walkout to the main event. Some more technical issues for ESPN Plus, despite um, despite the whole Spectrum debacle coming to an end um, earlier yesterday. But still, um, very very disappointing to see that we're at UFC 293 and we're over three and a half years into this ESPN Plus deal, and there are still more technical issues to be had. And uh, for the those that are listening to this that are considering buying UFC 294, uh, you can do so uh, right now, actually, is that event is obviously over a month away, but still some more issues going on um, over there on the ESPN Plus side, which uh, obviously if you want more on our discussion on that, you could you could go back and listen to last week's episode. Tom, did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, so I actually want to update to that story that we talked about last week. So. I did a little digging when you mentioned, oh, UFC 294 can be bought pretty early. And, you know, I was digging around. So the UFC, uh, I should say UFC, the ESPN has put a little disclaimer when you're searching for uh, that card and you're looking at buying it. It mentions that on October 12th, Zan, as the uh, as the individual, the representative from ESPN Plus customer support told you that we were correct, that they are going to be raising the bundle price of the ESPN plus Disney plus Hulu package from $18.99 to $23.99 a month. It also mentions Zan that ESPN plus is going to be going up by a dollar from $9.99 a month to $10.99 a month. If you don't have the bundle, if you pay for the year, 
I think it's going up ten dollars. Uh, however, UFC pay per view prices are going to stay the same, so UFC two ninety four will remain seventy nine ninety five. I suspect, Zan, that's just for now. And then by year end, if not the start of next year, they're going to raise it again. Yeah, I could see them raising it again, too, just before uh, what would be UFC 297. So just keep pretty much what we're saying is keep an eye out for any price hikes and uh, see how you can save your money uh, if you if you can, either by using the movie theater method we alluded to or going to a, a establishment uh, that has the UFC and and then by no way am I sponsored by the UFC in saying this. Easily go to bars.ufc.com, type in your zip code uh, in your area, and it'll show you every single bar or local establishment in that zip-coded area that carries every single UFC pay-per-view and at select locations, ESPN Plus cards and at select locations, Power and Slap cards. So you're covered, you're, you're covered by any means necessary when it comes to anything related to the UFC. Uh, Dana, are you sure you don't want to put some sponsorship into this show? You don't want to invest in this show because I think Zan did a nice plug for us. Oh, by the way, I'll keep it even more simple. Find the local, find your local Buffalo Wild Wings or your local Dave and Busters or something that'll air it. Yeah, and usually at most of them, they will air every single pay-per-view because of their respective contracts with Joe Hand Promotions, who is the longest running pay-per-view distributor in America, so Nonetheless, whatever establishment you go to, you will be in good hands. So, uh, one story before we get to know UFC, uh, Zan, uh, Nina Agdal, the uh, the uh, love interest, I believe they are fiancés, uh, of Logan Paul, has placed a lawsuit against Dylan Danis and filing a restraining order and looking for jail time because of all of Dylan Danis's uh, social media posts. Meanwhile, Danis has launched a suit against Logan Paul for essentially defamation of character. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could say about this is, uh, and, and, and I'm just going to say it, so I apologize for the language here, but this is becoming a shit show. And uh, the, only thing I can, the only thing I can really say is, um, uh, the only thing I can really say is, uh, don't hold your breath because October 14th, the, 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 the scheduled fight between Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis, uh, don't expect it to occur. If I'm disowned, I'm already in PR disaster mode. I'm already figuring out a way that I can salvage the card somehow, some way. So, um, if you're, if you're interested in the Dylan Dennis, Logan Paul, uh, fight, I would not, uh, bake on that occurring given all of the legal proceedings that are going on. And, uh, I think the biggest loser in this whole thing is actually the zone because now they have to deal with all the all the crap that's going to come along with all of this. So, or do you go another after after the zone takes two steps forward as they usually do? They take three steps back, and this is just the latest in that ongoing saga. So, I I can't wait, Sam, to see if we ever get the numbers about whatever the Canelo pay per view the Canelo fight is going to be at the end of the month. I mean, Sam, really. This whole thing is, you kind of said it. It's a shit show. It's a shit show Emotional of... damage. That's basically what this... That's basically what this feud between Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis has become. And, uh... Wait, I don't know. Correct, wait, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought Canelo versus Charlo was just a PBC show. Well, maybe it, maybe it is just a PBC. My point, Sam, okay. my point is that, as you kind of alluded to, DAZN just continues to take step backward after step backward and they are really showing Zan that uh, they are second in competition to ESPN Plus with the UFC PFL Zan, I'll be pretty honest you know, if I start to cut some corners, you know, and uh, remove some subscription to Zone might be number one at this point because honestly they might be the most expensive one but they don't, there's no bang for your buck with them yeah, I canceled mine like seven months ago, and I have no regrets um, at all. <laughs> Good. I, I might be on that same boat because DeZone, <laughs> Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis, Zan, I have I have a song I should play for them that we use on ETV Sports and the Football Friday and all of that. The Circus Tent music. Zan, I only usually bring this out 
when I'm bringing up the segment called Broncos Country, let's ride. Because the Broncos are an absolute disaster. But you know what? This fight is proving to be just as much of a disaster. I guess you could say uh, the zone. <laughs> no, I got one. The zone misfits nation. Let's ride. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Uh, all right. Let's move on from the misfits. Let's go on to the actual competitions at hand. Let's talk about Nosha UFC or UFC Vegas 80 or whatever it's being called this weekend. Yes, you're not reading this wrong if you didn't hear about this card. Yes, this is going to be a fight night headlined by a championship fight. The first time, Zan, that I think a fight night is holding a championship card since... Since UFC and ESPN Plus One with Dillashaw and Segudo. No, I think uh, wasn't the first um, fight between Benavidez and Davison. Wasn't that in the ESPN? Oh, that's right. That was during fight. I yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Actually, you're right. Though no, both fights were ESPN Plus cards for those flyweights. This is, but what, what this is a first for is it is the first UFC Fight Night uh, main event title fight in Las Vegas of the ESPN Plus era. So correct because the last time the women's flyweight title was on the line, obviously you made mention uh, of the two men's flyweight title fight, one being on fight Island. The other was the February 29th, 2020 card, which I forget where that one took place. And then the last time the women's flyweight title was on the line, Valentina was the champ. Carmouche was the challenger. And that took place. That took place somewhere overseas. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That sounds right. Probably, I, I think it was Canada. Or was, uh, it, or was it not Canada? So February 29th, 2020, the first fight between Benavides and Davison, that was in Virginia. That was in Norfolk. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then the August uh, 2019 card that Carmouche and uh, Shevchenko headlined. Let me go to the events list here. That was in, oh, that was in Uruguay. That was in Montevideo. Oh, that's right, because it had a weird start time, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Uh, nevertheless, we've got a big title fight this weekend. You know, right after we just had one of the biggest upsets in UFC history, we're now revisiting a major upset from earlier in this year in which Alexa Grasso submitted Valentina Shevchenko to become... In the same, in the, in, 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 in the same building that the rematch is going to take place in. That's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty ironic. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Sam, you look at this fight and I'm wondering, I mean, Shevchenko, is, was that one fight against Grasso, was that just an off night? Do you have now questions about Shevchenko like I have about Izzy? Do you think, you know, Grasso's just going to be a one and done and then Shevchenko, you know, gets back to her old ways with this fight? Does Grasso have the, you know, the game plan that in order to defeat Shevchenko? This is going to be an all-out war. Uh, this is going to be one of those fights that I think if you don't watch this fight, you're going to regret it. I think these are the two best flyweights in the world by far. Uh, I think Valentina has a chip on her shoulder, something to prove. And I don't see how she loses this one. All I know is that it's going to be action packed from the second the fight starts until it's over. Um, I like Valentina and her experience here. I think Rosso's submission game is solid, but I like Valentina in the third round via TKO. I just think she, I just think she's on a mission. She said it in an inter interview a week ago. She vows to destroy Alexa Grasso. I believe her. Um, in case you don't, don't remember, when Valentina Shevchenko is beating the crap out of people, she is she is a mini spy, so to speak. So of course she's gonna she's gonna have something up her sleeve that nobody knows about. And I'm sure it's either gonna be a vicious knockout or it's gonna be a submission that people are not gonna see coming in. It's going to be one of those finishes to me that's going to be replayed over and over and over and over and over again. All, all, all I know is this. If you're the UFC, you were hoping Valentina Shevchenko wins this fight because the trilogy between those two would be absolutely electric. That's for that's for sure. And, Zan, I'll throw it out there because I threw it out there a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about Wei Li Zhang. I mean, Zan, 
the idea of a Shevchenko Whaley Zhang super fight also sounds pretty good in my opinion. For sure. I think it all depends on how this fight goes, though. So your official prediction is going to be Shevchenko third round TKO to regain her flyweight championship. I think she finishes Rosso in vicious fashion. And I'm going to agree with you. I think Shevchenko puts on an absolutely dominated display. Zan, I think I don't want to discredit Alexa Grasso because Alexa Grasso had a moment. It was a major upset earlier this year, but I feel like Shevchenko just had an off night. It wasn't the Shevchenko we were used to seeing. And I think Shevchenko, now that, as you mentioned, has a chip on her shoulder, is going to rebound in a big way. And I am going to say, Zan, it's I'm agreeing. I'm going to agree with you a third or fourth round finish. If not, it's going to be an absolute one-sided beatdown in which Valentina Shevchenko regains the title. And then the karma for the UFC will continue as now, you know, the, the Mexican market is going to get hit with Alexa Grasso losing her title just because that's the path. It seems like we kind of alluded to earlier that is going to be going down. Well said. I mean, as we know, this is the fight that's taking place on Saturday. But Tom, let's hypothetically say because 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 we have to do this because we have to prepare for anything and everything. Um, um, a, a potential backup fighter. If you were to guess who the backup would be for this fight, who would it who would who would it be and why? In your in your opinion, a backup fighter. Ugh. Is it is it is it Aaron Blanchfield? What do you? I, what do you I could see Blanchfield, but I mean. I, I mean, you look at the rest of the card. Yeah, there has to be some sort of backup fighter. It probably Blanchfield. Okay. Okay. Uh, obviously, I don't think the UFC wants to go that route. However, of course. And something we forgot to clarify at the beginning of the segment: all of these fights are exclusively on ESPN Plus. Uh, main card has a traditional pay-per-view start time of 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, 7, 7 p.m. Pacific. I'm Almost positive with the with the um, with the prelims beginning at um, with the prelims beginning shortly before that, or it actually could be a little bit later. I could be wrong. It might be a seven p.m. Eastern, four. I think it's a seven p.m. I think it's seven p.m. Okay, yeah, seven p.m. Eastern, four p.m. Pacific. Main card start with the prelims. Okay, so that that makes sense again. Exclusive to ESPN Plus. This is one of those rare cards where it is a it is a main event with a title on the line that is not a pay per view. Yeah, uh, if you want, and if you want to call it a mini UFC two ninety three and a half, I guess you could. I guess you could go. I guess I I, I, I guess you could go with that. I, I think that's pretty much what it is. Uh, just to go over a couple more fights, by the way, very quickly, just to make mention, co main event as you alluded to before, you got Kevin Holland, the Big Mouth, taking on Jack de la Madalena. Uh, I think this is a big opportunity here for JDM. Is Holland going to be too much for him, though? Uh, yeah, I think Kevin Holland in Vegas just turns up the notch a little bit. I think he's going to learn from his previous Vegas experience, getting absolutely dominated by Hamza Jamayev a year ago. And I think he comes back, um, makes do on his mini revenge, so to speak, and beats the hottest Australian prospect probably since George Sonoropoulos. So I think... I think you're going to see the, the best Kevin Holland uh, uh, we've ever seen in the UFC thus far. And uh, I think uh, either late first, early second round, finish over JDM. But again, like you said, a very big step up in competition. And then also make mention, because I mentioned him earlier, Raul Rosas Jr. He's going to be taking on Terrence Mitchell. Um, I know that I know he's so young into his career and he's so young just in general, but after his last loss, I don't want to say must win, but it, it's not going to be a good look if he loses this one, right? No, it's not, not going to be a good look at all, especially in front of his people. I mean, obviously, the UFC is is billing this as Noche UFC Mexican Independence Day weekend. Raul Rosas Jr. is someone that the UFC wants to build that market around. So this would be a really bad loss. Obviously, Terrence Mitchell is no most large, but I think Raul Rosas Jr. learned from his mistakes in his last fight, comes I can a big way gets a gets a gets a finish over Terrence Mitchell and ignites the the what would should presumably be a pro uh Mexican UFC crowd that night and uh puts on the best performance of his young career so far. Now not only not, not only is this a must win, but I think if you wanna um place a bet that sure to hit, I 
think a Raul Rosas Jr. either prop by finish or Raul Rosas Jr. money line might be might be your best approach there if you're looking at just a single fight. Um, so even though we did go, even though we did hit the hour mark, that's going to do it for the MMA outsiders. We really didn't have a lot uh, to cover this week, just considering there was a lack of news in, in, in a smaller UFC event, but event we had to cover. Before we get out of here again, make sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow the Empty the Bench podcast network everywhere across social media uh, at ETV Network and follow the MMA Outsiders and MMA Outsiders ETV. Uh, reintroducing ourselves one last time. My name is Dan Bando. You can find my work over at BJPen.com. I am also at Bellator Rankings. Uh, and the list for Bellator, at least for the time being, I would presume. And then, of course, to my left is Tom Albano. You can find his work over at Fanside and MMA and all of the PFL goodies over on the PFL website on fight nights and so on and so forth. So be sure to check out his work there. We have a few kind of duller weeks in the MMA space before we get into the crazy October. So please bear with us. And again, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the MMA Outsiders. This has been episode 53. And before we get out of here and before we tell you guys to enjoy the fights, be Joe Piper. Be Joe Piper. See you next time, everyone. See you next week. Thank you again.